we're glad that you guys are here today. And um, just in light of, if this is your first time, maybe you've wandered in here and go, hey, there's donuts, so I'm going to go in and sit down. What is this? Just to let you know, this is, uh, I'm, I'm Jeff Summers. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Perimeter Church. I'm over the junior high and the senior high. And this is an opportunity for us to do a little equipping to parents. We do it twice a year. We'll do it probably in February or March and go about four weeks. We're looking into providing something like this maybe on a weekly basis. I don't know if that would be something you all would be interested in or not, but develop a community uh, among us. And that is one of the big goals. It's not just an equipping time. Part of it is for us to interact with you, for you to get to know who is in charge and who's running the student ministry and understand my heart and who I am. But it's also for us to develop community. That's one reason we have you sitting around tables, interacting with other parents, because it's difficult to be a parent of a teenager. And so when you can commiserate and go, oh, wait a second, I'm not the only one having this problem in my home. We're actually all dealing with this. It can be very comforting uh, to do that, or at least for me, it's very comforting. When When I know that I'm not in the foxhole alone, it's a good thing. Um... So today we're going to talk about respect, okay? We're talking about the idea and the fact that respect is a, a two-way street, okay? And we, we've talked around this subject a lot. In fact, if you were at the first week of Parent U, we, we asked a question about that, uh, the discussion that we had on Sunday night. And so this idea of, of respect is something that a lot of us are, are used to. And Cammy told a long story, and let me reiterate it if you weren't there. She told a story about a time that we went to, the, to our, visit our friends in Florida, right? And when we were there, uh, my oldest daughter, Tirza, was probably about 13, and she was swimming in the pool in the backyard, and we had decided to go to the beach. That When I say we, the adults had decided to go to the beach. And so Cammy comes back saying, everybody needs to get ready. It's time to go to the beach. And Tirza had kind of already worked the crowd. There were seven kids younger than her in the group, and she had kind of worked that crowd, and they had decided that they were going to stay and swim at the pool. They were not interested in going to the beach. And that's when Cammy, you know, basically uttered, I don't care what you think, right? I don't care, uh, you know, it was that idea, right? If, you, if I want you to have an opinion, I'll give it to you. Okay, if you've ever thought that. And so we've all said that to our kids. Uh, well, I have said that. I don't know if you have said that or not. But as at different ages, that is certainly appropriate to sometimes you just get in the car, you got to go. And we did that. And, of course, then it was a very miserable afternoon. Tears of sulk the rest of the time kind of ruined. Uh, everybody's day was not very pleasant after that. And Cammy and I went for a long walk. And by that, I mean I listened while she, you know, she just basically uh, was, why is she doing this way? And, it, you know, giving it what for. And then at some point in the conversation, I said, well, you know, do you talk to me that way? Do you, do you give respect, you know, to me? You don't expect me just to do whatever you say. And you would never talk to me like that. Why not? Well, I'm, I'm a peer. I'm an adult. And she was becoming an adult, right? She was in, that, in the throes of that. And so we have this idea of giving respect as well as expecting to be respected. Okay, and that's a key component in communication. 
often when I see this broken down in households where they're not communicating with each other, this idea of receiving and giving respect is one of the, the missing components that I've seen. Um, I was just recently out visiting a good friend of mine who is doesn't believe, he's not a believer at all, no biblical knowledge as far as that goes, doesn't do his life that way, but he has two teenage kids, and it was so interesting to watch them. They had a fantastic relationship. The way that he talked to them, I was so impressed, and we had a conversation about it because I knew we were, we were going to talk about this, and he, you know, and what, but I, the key that I noticed was how much he respected his kids. You know, he talked to them like adults. He, he, he communicated with them he shared what he was thinking, and, and because of that, they responded really well. Now, again, that could be an isolated situation, but that definitely saw that in action with him. So let's, so let's dive into this whole idea of respect. Let me pray, and we'll, we'll jump in to the, the main portion of the teaching. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we come before you, and Lord, we do need, we need a Savior in all ways, uh, especially as parents. Uh, thank you for this community. Lord, I pray that you would Help us to build relationships, even uh, the few weeks that we do parent you. And, Lord, uh, that you would teach us by your word and by your spirit this morning. Help us to be uh, better parents and better communicators with our kids. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, respect is something that parents deserve, right? It's something that they're owed. Um, we see this in Scripture, Exodus 20. Verse 12, uh, it's commanded by God, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this may sound very familiar to you. Why is that? It's one of the big ten, right? It's a pretty important thing to honor your parents and to have this respect uh, and to respect and honor your parents if God thinks it's so important that if he only is going to tell us 10 rules, now, of course, we know he gave us a lot more than 10, but most of the law, right, is an expansion on the Ten Commandments. And so if it was so important that this was one of the top 10, then it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal to God uh, that we are honored and respected. I've, I've listened to a talk show guy, Dennis Prager. He's a Jewish scholar, and he talks about this. He has a little video on it, actually. And he, he was talking about the, this idea that what's interesting is you're not ever commanded to love your parents. You're commanded to respect them and honor them. And so, but that the command, as it continues, it's the only command that has, or the first command that has a promise, that your days would be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We see as, a, as this unfolds, this promise is kind of a general rule that if children are obeying their parents and respecting and honoring them, that society is going to be one that is going to last. It's going to be a lasting society. So it's kind of a general rule. It's not a particular promise to your children. You know, they get to live in your house forever because they obey you. Uh, it's, they get to the land will respond well if the family structures are in place. And, it, and this is the idea behind that. You see this reflected again in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, Paul just kind of adds, the, the, for this is right. And then he, he quotes, honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. But then I like, Paul kind of goes, and here's this other, this other part, right? 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there we see the respect given. So the first is the respect received as a parent in the first part of that passage. And then we see, but don't provoke your children. There's, a, there's an aspect as they're getting older, as they're becoming grown-ups, right? As they're becoming adults, how are we not provoking them? How are we offering that respect to them? So we see this God-ordained structure in Scripture that we're supposed to be honored ourselves. We're supposed to give honor to our parents. Now, you'll see this this is broken down and society does not respect that very much, especially in pop culture. If you start paying attention to this honor for parents and look in media, it's, you're not going to find a ton of respect. There's a, there's a few shows I can think of that, that have it, but a lot of them don't. If you were, again, I've gone over this in the past in a lot of detail. Family Ties is the first time I really remember, and I was watching that growing up as a kid. And the dad was just a doofus, you know, and they made him into this ridiculous character. And he wasn't that way in season one, but he got dumber as the seasons went along. So they used that. Uh, Friends, if you watch that show, Cammie's rewatching it, so we watched a few episodes of that. And any time their parents enter the picture, they are crazy, the parents of the main cast. The uh, Seinfeld, again, great cast. Characters, the parents are off the chart, kind of wacky. Any teen movie, uh, The Hunger Games, think of that. That's a more recent movie, okay, that's come out. And Katniss Everdeen is definitely the parent in the relationship with her mother, okay, and her father is, is deceased. So you see this aspect, this parentification happening, the young, and in social media, not social media, but in entertainment, especially movies and TV. Because they're targeted at teens, and they'll make the teens or the young people always smarter and wiser than the parents and their elders. So once I've pointed that out, you're going to see it all the time, and it's really going to drive you crazy. So I'm sorry about that. But it is there. It's definitely alive and well in social social media, in movies, in music, all kinds of things. You're going to see this. So... Let's unpack this a little bit as far as the receiving of, of respect. It can be an idol for parents. Okay, we can, we can, and I'm talking about this, not that we don't. I've already said we deserve it. It is important. Um, but when it, it can become an idol for us when, when it is a barrier to communication. And what I mean is, let's say you're, you're having a, a discussion and they're coming at you and they're challenging, you know, if we see, this can be an idol for us if we see anything that challenges our opinion as a threat to respect. Okay, then you, not, you start going, wait a second, you're challenging what I'm saying, you're challenging what I'm thinking, then maybe we have a problem ourselves with just how we're defining this respect. Uh, it's my way or the highway, if that's the way that we're, we're doing that. We're not giving them room to develop an identity of their own especially as they get older, they're going to start challenging. That's a part of just their normal development. They're going to start uh, having an opinion of their own, and they're really glad to share that most of the time. Uh, So as they do that, how are we interacting with it? Um, If you've ever thought, if I want you to have your own opinion, I'll give it to you, this might be a problem for you, right, to have that idea. There is a challenging aspect because what they're doing is they're elbowing their way into the adult world. And sometimes we're the ones who get that elbow. 
they, they want a seat at the table. You've probably been at the family gatherings where there's just too many people. And think about this, because this is a really neat picture. There's the adults, the adult table, and then you have the kids' table. Isn't it always interesting when a child wants to graduate up to the adult table? And you're thinking, well, we're talking about grown-up things here. And they are ready. They want to move over. They want to sit there. And, and so, you know, you have that physical representation of that happening. But that's happening all the time as you're interacting with your kids, especially through junior high and into high school. As they're interacting with you, they're wanting that seat at the adult table. And are we, are we giving them that, right? Because developmentally, sometimes they're, they're there, right? And they do things that blow us away at their maturity and things like that. And then sometimes they really aren't there. And so we're, we're going back and forth with this in our minds and saying, well, you know, you want a seat at the table, but I just don't know if you're ready for that. And so that's, that's what's happening just developmentally. And I want us to kind of keep that word picture in our minds, we also have this utopia, or I've had this utopia, of instant obedience. Have you ever had that? You may have read parenting books that talk about instant obedience. When our kids are little, we expect, you know, hey, I want you to, when I say this, I want this to happen. And, but think about that in terms, again, of with adults. You, we don't interact with adults in a way where I just expect instant obedience, from, you know, I don't walk into my office even, and I am the boss of a lot of people in the youth area, but I don't walk in there being like, all right, everybody, you know, I expect everybody to do what I say right now, you know, instantly. That's, we don't interact with adults that way. But we do expect that of our kids, and then as they're becoming adults, sometimes th- that the rules don't change for us. We, and when we push them in that sense and push them, yes, it's going to be instant obedience, it's my way or the highway, that is not going to go well for us, generally. It's not going to be a situation where they're going to end up... We have to make that transition as they become grown-up adults, specifically in their 20s and stuff, where we want to actually be friends with them and change that relationship from one that is just a parent-child into more of a peer-adult relationship. So how are, we, how are we doing that? We want control, right? We want order, in our home, and a lot of times that's another idol that we're dealing with, is control uh, and, and peace and order. And those are things that we have to deal with ourselves. Explaining ourselves is inefficient, right? I deal with this as an idol that I have. Sometimes I just want something to happen, and I don't want to bother. I don't want to explain myself. I don't want to go into details because it's inefficient to do so. I really just want you to do it, and I don't want to take the time to talk about it. But again, do we interact with adults that way? Uh, sometimes we do, right? Especially, again, if it's a boss uh, relationship or you get, you get orders from your boss and you just got to go and execute. And that is the way it is. But generally, we have room for challenging or I really don't understand or things like that. And so it's not, we don't just operate on this efficiency way of going. So James, James 3, 9 says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We have to remind ourselves at times that our teens, our kids, are image bearers of God. They are created in the likeness of God. They are beautifully and wonderfully made, and they are growing into adults and, and moving into this adult world, 
And so we have to offer this respect to these image bearers as well. So I have a, a movie clip here from uh, Dead Poets Society. So let's, uh, let's see. We're going to watch that real quick, and we'll discuss it. Okay, so now what had just happened, I should have set that up ahead of time. He was in a play, and his dad did not want him to be in a play, wasting time doing something like that. So... Obviously, he's very rebellious, so now he's pulling him out, putting him in military school. He's got, his dad has a plan for his life, right? And he is going to fall in line with that plan. So how, watching that interaction, what did you think? Did you notice, what was the dad's overall attitude? My way or the highway? Yes. What's that? Impatience. Impatience, okay. Yes, back there. He had his life all figured out. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, so for the sake of the recording, when he shut down, that was a, a victory for the dad. Um, watching, did you see how the authority, definitely an authoritarian kind of way he runs the household, for sure, and when he shut him down, there was a few things there that are really interesting. One is, he's like, you don't, what, do you, what do you have to say? And there was a moment where the dad almost disrespected, like you didn't stand up for yourself. So he almost has this look on his face, it's hard to tell if he's, more disappointed that he didn't stand up or that he did. I definitely doesn't want to be questioned. But then did you see how the, the student reacted? What did he do in the face of this? Did it encourage communication? No, he retreated into himself. And the acting's beautiful there and that you can, like he didn't have to say, I'm retreating into my, you know, he's, he just does it physically in such a way you can tell he's been totally shut down um, by this, by this interaction, and what uh, the movie, if you, it's kind of sad, well, I don't know, have everyone seen this movie? Okay, so most of you know that he, he goes on to commit suicide that night, and you can almost see, knowing that that's what's coming, you can see it on his face that he's deciding that, you know, almost in that, in that moment, um, where you, you also, it's sad because you want to say, well, in another year, you'll be 18 and just move out, you know, you don't really have to go to that extreme <laughs> level of, but, but he's in despair. He's, he's totally in despair. And do you think that the dad wanted to understand the son? When he said, tell me what you feel, he didn't really want to know what he felt. He really wasn't trying to get into changing positions with his son so that he understood where he was coming from. And Cammie and I were talking this morning. It's the first time... I've, thought, I've known this idea of respect was a key for a while when it comes to communication, but I don't think I understood the real connection to empathy and respect is there. I think there is a connection with wanting to understand and be, put yourself in the other person's shoes. It doesn't always have something to do with respect, but it definitely can. There, there's a link there, and I think it's worth exploring. We talked a lot about empathy the first night. So this idea, though, that, hey... <laughs> Am I putting myself in your shoes? Do I understand your world? And when I do, I am more likely to respect where you're coming from when we disagree. Um, so do you see your teenagers as kids or adults? That's, that's one of those things that you go back and forth. And I said we, you, you can do that. Uh, it's easy to slide back and forth. And it's interesting, though, how much we tend as adults to ignore teenagers in social settings, for example. Um, when I was working at one of the churches, we had this great foyer, 
and everybody would hang out in there in between services. And I can remember, it was the first time it really struck me looking around, there were groups of people talking, you know, all of us in our little cliques. And I noticed the teenagers talking, and the only people that were into, in those cliques talking to teens were, was myself and maybe another youth worker or a d-group leader. Other than that, in social settings, a lot of times adults just kind of walk right by teens. They, don't, they almost don't exist. Pay attention to that. Again, walk through the foyer and see. Are you going to see adults talking to teenagers very much? You'll, you'll notice that they don't. Now, now sometimes teens don't want us there, right? It's their, it's their space, and it can be. You think it's hard to jump into a group of people you don't know? Try jumping into a group of teenagers you don't know and have a conversation. They'll think you're a little bit weird. So you do have to actually build that relationship first, or it can be pretty awkward. Um, sometimes when this whole idea of respect, though, we need to weather the emotional onslaught of our kids rather than reacting to the lack of respect, okay? That's where I'm talking about this as being a barrier to communication. There are times when your kids are, uh, you're, especially if you're having a heated discussion, and they will overstep the lines in the heat of emotion, right? They're going to overstep the lines of respect. But if the wall of respect comes up from me, wait a second, you can't talk to me that way, you know, well, you know, and I bow up because of the, the lack of respect, I'm, I am shutting down communication Often, not again, it can go to an extreme, but I'm saying, generally speaking, sometimes it might be better to let, let the temperature in the room go down and then go to them and talk about the lack of respect. Like you get through the subject, and then the next day, or even a couple days later, come to them and say, Hey, by the way, in our discussion the other night, the way that you were talking to me really was not appropriate. Do you realize that? And then, the, see, now the emotions aren't there and all of that, and then you can deal with that lack of respect because the respect should be there. I'm not saying your kids can just do whatever they want. They need to, there is a level of respect that needs to be there for sure, and that honoring needs to take place. But if it's impeding us from, from communicating, that's really what I'm talking about here. And then there's talking down to your kids. Do you say phrases like, well, when I was your age, or you'll understand this when you get older. Those are just automatic shutdown phrases. You just need to take those phrases out of your vocabulary. Because as soon as you say that, what you're saying is, well, you're not really a grown-up, and you don't really understand, so blah, 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 listen to me. And that's what they think. When they hear you say that, they go blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, they will stop listening because you don't, you don't understand their world, and you're not even trying to. And so they're, they're not going to they feel disrespected by that, they're not going to listen to you, okay? So that's a part of that. And really, deep down, they want your respect, desperately. They're moving, remember, they're elbowing their way into the adult table, and they want that respect from you. And so it's something that they desire. Sometimes, deep down, you know, they're asking the question, do I measure up? And they don't want to disappoint us. And so sometimes they're not going to share if they feel like they don't have a seat at the table, if they feel like they're just a disappointment or whatever, that may also keep them from sharing. You know, is it a safe place? We talked about that last week. Are you creating this safe environment for them to share? So at some point, this parent-child relationship is going to change, right? It has to change as they move into adults. And we want to keep this relationship happening so that we have a relationship with our kids when they're adults. And so we're going to put some discussion questions up right now and uh, let you guys talk uh, around your tables for a little while. And so here we go. And how important was respect in the household you grew up in? 
do you treat your parents with respect or do you feel like they respected you? So those are, those are questions. It's always good for us to go back and kind of revisit our own household we grew up in. How is empathy inefficient? And do your teens feel like you want to understand them? Do you try to understand their world? Okay, so let's take about 10, 10 minutes or so and then Cammie will come up. Okay. <laughs> My name is Cammie Summers and... I'm Jeff's wife, for those of you that don't know, Um, and I love that he gets to come up and kind of share with you God's word and some principles that in 27 years of youth ministry, he's learned in engaging with teens, Um, because I think his wisdom has really helped me a lot as a parent, Uh, because I will admit, even watching that clip that he showed, that's the kind of parent I default would be, like in my basis state. I just want them to do what I want them to do. (laughs) And that's just true for me. Um, That's my struggle. Um, When I was 12, my mother had a brain aneurysm, and she was very, very sick. And what that did is it reversed our roles for a while. And I, as I look back over, like, I love these questions, looking back over your own experience as a teenager, because for me, that role reversal really impacted my communication with my mother. And I was very disrespectful. I mean, honestly... I won't even, you know, I'm pretty honest up here and willing to tell you, like, the deep depths, but I won't even tell you some of the things I said to my mother because I'm so ashamed of, of, of how I treated her and how I spoke to her with disrespect. Um, that was a part of our relationship and um, one I really continue to grieve over. But as a result of that, as the parent of a teen, I think I was ultra, um, I was ultra aware of demanding respect from my kids. And when Tirza became a teenager, I can just remember being so offended by her questioning me. And I think the transition was really hard, and my response was usually authoritarian. I mean, just as the story to the beach um, explains. And I I would make demands, and I would demand compliance, And even though often I could see her, it would lead to her obedience, what I saw was these seeds of resentment and anger growing under the surface of our relationship. And it was bad for a while. I mean, it was really bad. And out of desperation, I read a book, and y'all are going to laugh, but it's How to Win Friends and Influence People. (laughs) It's the old Dave Carnegie book. Somebody recommended it to me. I read it twice. I don't read anything twice, but I read it twice because I was like, I don't know any of this really in my life. And it's not a Christian book, and it's not a parenting book, but I think it's really a great book of teaching us how to engage with respect with others. And it also identifies kind of how we can have the exact opposite um, result by how we engage with someone. And I think I really saw that with Tirza because um, I'm a warrior princess. And in the face of I love to talk about that because Tears is not a warrior princess, but Lexi is a warrior princess. And I understand Lexi as she's moving into a teenager so much more than I did Tirza. Because in the face of conflict, I must win, even if that means destroying my opponent. <laughs> like that's my, again, that's my default of, of engaging in conflict. And I can so be so determined on whatever the issue is at hand and me getting the upper hand and me proving that I'm right and everybody else should do what I say, I can get, that I lose complete sight of what my real goals and objectives as a parent are. And I think 
if I step back and I look at my relationship with my kids, I don't want them just to make an A in the class or just to come home at a certain time or, or just to keep their room clean. That's kind of a lower goal. My real goal is that they would grow up and that we would have a relationship that they want to come home after they live on their own, that, that, that they want to talk to me because I'm an encouragement to them and they can trust me to, to say encouraging things and to be on their side because the whole world is going to be against them. And so, like, in that moment, I can lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, I can fall into the habit of criticizing them and constantly telling them better ways to live their lives and making them feel like they have to be perfect to earn my love. Um, Dale Carnegie says, Criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's precious pride, hurts his sense of importance, and arouses resentment. Instead of condemning people, let's try to understand them. Let's try to understand them. I think that was a long time to develop for me as a parent because I thought I did understand them. Like, I'd been a teenager, so I know what you're going through, and it's just not that big a deal. <laughs> you know, that was my real <laughs> response, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I read the Bible and when I look at the New Testament and I see the example of Jesus, Jesus never condemned anyone. Not really. I mean, he didn't... He would have been, in his holiness, he would have been completely aware of every sin in the audience facing him, right? In, in, the, in the sins of all of his disciples who lived close with him. Do you ever see him call one out for making a stupid mistake or, or for being irresponsible? Like, he didn't do that. He had harsh words for the Pharisees and the religious leaders, but that was always because of how they were treating the people and that they really made the people feel small and unimportant. And they majored on minors, which I am so guilty of majoring on minors. Um, But Jesus isn't. Jesus came down and he didn't have to. But in Philippians, we see that he condescended to understand what it means to be human in a broken world. He asked questions, he engaged, and he loved People that encountered him felt his love. And do my teens always feel my love first? I wish I could say they do. But I'll be honest, I fall short of giving them the picture of Jesus most days. But that desire keeps me aware of my need and dependence on Christ. I need a Savior, not just eternally, but daily in my relationships with my teens. I need the Holy Spirit to save me from my sinful tendencies, tendencies that will sink my relationship with my kids if I'm not careful. And I need his power so that I can seek to understand them instead of responding with my own idol of respect. (sighs) I need Jesus so bad. I don't know about you guys, but the words of John the Baptist when he says, Jesus needs to increase and I need to decrease. Yes, yes, please, my house. 3195 River Summit Trail, Duluth, Georgia. (laughs) That's where I need you. Um, The encouragement and the reason that we have the questions and we want you to engage in your table is we have found, Jeff and I have been the parents of teens for seven years, and it does get easier for those of you that are struggling some days. It does get easier. Not all days, but some days. It is a sanctifying season, but it is also a terribly isolating season. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you're running around. How hard is it to connect with another 
adult who's in the same season of life. So we want to give lots of time in this space so that you can connect. It will only be connections as deep as you allow them to be. And, and really, you, you know, community grows over time and engagement. Jeff and I were talking about this week about how hard it is in the season to get new friends because you just don't have the time, right? I mean, back when our kids were little, you could go do play dates and they would play and you could talk and have coffee or whatever. It seemed like you had more time or more energy, or maybe both, I don't know. But this season, it's hard. And so how do we, as a covenant community, come around each other and encourage each other and remind each other of the greater goal? Because I forget. Um, So that's why we want to give you guys time to talk. I don't know if you're introverted like me, like sitting at a table with people you don't know. I kind of a little part of me always dies that I have to say stuff. Like I'd much rather get up here and tell you guys like my deep, dark secrets than sit across from you, (laughs) a table of six people. One-on-one, it's not so hard, but the the small group is hard for me. But that's the reason we want you guys to have questions, um, to have questions to engage and talk about this stuff. And then the other thing is, is we always want to leave here with y'all praying for each other because it's more meaningful if you're praying for the person across from you than if I just do an oversweeping prayer. Um, we want you to engage with each other and we want you to grab coffee or connect outside. I know it's impossible, but try. Because our covenant community, which is a word that's thrown around a lot, I've really been learning a lot about it. Covenant community really is we're in this together. You know, it's we're in the pit together. We're trying to see Jesus in the midst of it. And we're supposed to be pointing each other and encouraging each other in it. So um, I want to end our time together just praying for each other. And then you guys can just leave. But just around your tables, just share one thing that you'd like to to see Jesus bigger in your life in. And and then just spend some time praying, okay? And we have one more week of Parent You next week. And I don't know what's after that. Jeff will have to tell us. But um, I know that, that we're wanting this community to grow. And so um, that's something that we would ask that you pray for as well. Just how can we, in this isolating season, how can, we, how can the church come alongside y'all better and minister better in this season? So pray together and, and know that Jesus really loves you. Thanks.